going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Major Keys Podcast. My name is Zach Wilson, talking to keyboard players about music and life and everything in between. Today, we have a special guest, Clarence T. Lee Hill. Man, of course, bro. Man, your your name has come up multiple times on here. Actually, actually, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, wow. It, you know, just talking about the, you know, the 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 dope keyboard players like in Atlanta. Like your yeah. name is your name has come up. That's love, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, bro. But how goes life, man? What's what's up? Man, life is good, man. Family, mm-hmm. work, career. You know, just living, man, and making the most out of it. That's you what's know, up. You know. I'm living my best life right now, bro. Going through some things, learned some things, and uh, I can't complain. I dig it. I dig yeah. it. So, yeah, bro, start from the top. Like, how did you get into playing and just walk us through, like, young young T. Lee and yeah, how, you got, for sure. how you got here? For yeah. sure. So, according to my parents, I I um I started playing when I was two. I started playing drums when I was two. Okay. Um, Literally, they I don't remember this, but they said that I was playing with my grandparents' quartet band okay my uh, quartet i played drums with them for a few years and i just i've always been into music um Mm -hmm. i grew up in a religious household so sports and things weren't really a part of my life so Mm -hmm. every day for me was sitting in my room with the door closed playing to gospel playing drums to gospel songs gotcha um did that Played in church, of course, and it was always drums. My dad played three instruments. His main instruments, his main instrument was bass, mm-hmm. um, but he played keys too, and he played a little bit of drums. Yeah. Um, so he had all these keyboards at the house, mm-hmm. and around about the age of, I don't know, maybe like twelve, um, I just decided that I liked. I wanted to play keys. Okay. I just decided that I liked keys. I I think. I felt like I had run out of things to play on drums because at the time, mm-hmm. drums was not what it is right now. Like oh yeah, the stuff really? that that these cats is playing on drums now wasn't even happening yet. Okay. So I felt like I had peaked out on drums, and I was like, "Man, I want to do more. I want to try keys." Mm-hmm. Jumped on keys, and I just kind of tinkled with it. N- didn't know, of course, didn't know anything about it. Didn't know what a C was. It was just I'm mm-hmm. just listening. Yeah, it was all it was all my ears. First song I think I learned was a song called it was a prelude called "Wash Me Lord" from John P. Key. It was at the end of one of his albums. It was like a like a self played ballad he played in. Okay, <clears throat> and I just really liked the movements in it and the chord structure, how he was moving. So I just decided to learn it. And for maybe like a year, that was the only thing I could play. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> and I would play it everywhere I went. And, but you learned that like when you were twelve. Yeah, 13, it was like yeah. yeah, like twelve, thirteen years old. And so. um and then at 15 was when I got more into playing the organ. Mm-hmm. The, a lady at a church that I was playing drums at, she saw me get on the keyboard after service one day. She was like, oh, you can play, you can play. Let me get you some lessons. She got me lessons um, with a guy by the name of Robbie Rivers who started me out you know, playing organ, gave me some basic theory and mm-hmm. some, um, this was a Kojic church. So he kind of started me out with some of the essential Kojic 
you know, Yes, Lord, and yeah. some of the hymns and stuff like that. And started playing at this church, man. And that started my journey on keys. I think I stayed there for about, man, maybe what, five or six years. Mm -hmm. Then I went to Gospel Tabernacle, which was on, off of Maynard Terrace. Uh, Wiley Jackson Church is not there no more. I just went by the other day. It's completely torn down. It's oh, wow. Crazy. And this is where? Like Cartersville? This is, no, this is in Atlanta. Atlanta. Off, okay, off of 20, gotcha. Uh, Maynard Terrace. Okay. A Gospel Tabernacle. Played there. That's where I, so me and Justin Gilbert, we played there together. Oh, me, so yeah. me, Justin Gilbert, um, uh, Jay Fly. Okay. Was playing drums at the time. Um, a good friend of mine, Josh, Josh Knight, um, he played bass. Mm -hmm. So I was there for a few years. That was a great experience. Taught me a lot. Learned a lot from playing with with the homie Jay. He's an incredible, incredible musician as well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and Fly, both of them. Learned a lot from being with those guys. So I played there for a few years. And then in the middle of, I think I was there for like two or three years. And then I got called by my good friend D Major to go on the road with uh, Tyler Perry's Meet the Browns play. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Did that for a couple of years. Stuff just kept branching off man i mean and i mean long story short i can go on and on with the stories but yeah you know the rest is history. here you are it just, now it just keeps going and you know created my band before corners oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna get into all that good stuff yeah bro yeah <laughs> so uh so doing the so i've i've yet to do a a play so tell me like what that is like especially at the caliber that you know tyler perry's like the yeah the play know, was the fun guy. man the play was fun i played second keys on the play so i was doing all of the color stuff Mm -hmm. um, and it was fun because we had to come up with the, the moods for all of those different sections and then, you know, doing doing some of the writing with the songs. And uh, it's different from it's definitely different from just doing a show. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's still songs. Mm -hmm. So but it, it was a great it's a great experience, man. And then being able to be around all of those different people, you know, Tamala, man, I did. I was able to. Um, co-write, co-produce um, a song with her and, and David and, and uh, Terrell while I was out there. Did some work with um, Nikki Gilbert, like all of the people that were in the show, mm -hmm. you know, the celebrities. So I got a chance to create those relationships. Yeah. And then with Avery Sunshine, she came in halfway through that play and played and took the main keys show. This was before what she year was is an this? artist. This what was year 2000 this? and she came in in 2005. The tour started in 2004. Four. Oh wow, got you. Okay. Yeah. So and this so she came around 2005, and that's how we kind of developed our relationship mm -hmm. and got to know each other very well and become you know like brother and sister, man, lover to death. So, yeah, man. So so the play situation, you're basically y'all were basically scoring the show, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, it was some of the stuff was already kind of created. Uh -huh. But but as well, though, when we got in rehearsals, there were things that we all created together as well. Um, I can't remember the MD's name. I always try to remember. He was a bass player out of mm -hmm. um, Dallas, I believe. Yeah. Um, so he, but D Major really was the guy that was putting a lot of the stuff together. D Major, I don't know if you know D Major. I don't, no, no, no. D Major, Ex um, he? man, he's, he's a keyboard player out of Atlanta as well. Great friend of mine, like I said, he's the one put me on. He played with Algebra before I started playing with Algebra. Mm -hmm. um, he was with her first, and I, that's how, that was my original um, acquaintance with him through Algebra. Okay, Algebra Blessed, mm -hmm. an R&B singer yes. for people that at home that yes. don't. Yeah, yeah that absolutely. Don't yeah. yeah, so, but... 
great great dude incredible keyboardist great he was a producer first really okay. really yeah. if if you if you would know him he was his production was crazy i mean at, at a point he was at a point he was one of the guys and i don't mm -hmm. know you know what happened and got him out of the the circle of the industry as as much as he was in it but yeah incredible producer incredible musician just all around great dude man it's, you you should let me I need, know. I need, I need to link y'all up. Man. <laughs> let me yeah. know. Maybe yeah, you yeah. can come do the show. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, let me, so let me go back. So like in high school, you're playing at church. You like, so like you're, are you gigging and stuff in high school and all that sort of uh, stuff too? So like around, around the area? Around that time, gigs was more like, uh, like weddings. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. Weddings and community choirs. Mm -hmm. So in the mix of that, is when I kind of got into playing. I started MDing and playing with David Walker and High Praise, which is a gospel community choir okay. out in Atlanta. Um, did I co-produced an album with him? Mm -hmm. Excuse me, his first album actually. Um, I think so. That and then doing that got me intertwined into the gospel scene okay. in Atlanta. Yeah. Um, and then when I started coming and hanging out more in Atlanta, going to Apache, mm -hmm. and then you know getting in that scene that brought about you know my my entrance into the city okay and getting gigs around the city so yeah that was around probably like 17 18 years old when i started kind of getting around here got you yep. and so like when you're like 17 18 you so you're like i'm you didn't want to go like the school route or do anything like Not, that like you you just you just jumped into the scene i wanted to go to school i wanted to go to berkeley oh wow okay i wanted to go to berkeley but you know, and I think about this. I should have been a bit more outgoing, but mm -hmm. I was from Ackworth. I'm from Ackworth, Georgia. Okay. I I grew up in the country, man. I didn't know like city life and being away from my family. I'm mm -hmm. I'm a very close knit family type of person. Like I grew up around my family all my life. So yeah. For me, at that time, the thought of going from being with my people and being close to my people to going all the way to Boston by yeah, that, myself. That was like I was just like, ah, I don't want to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. And and I didn't want to go to the other schools that were gonna make me do all those extra classes. Okay. So like the schools around like, here, you yeah, didn't want to yeah, do like, that. Yeah, so like going and doing the court because I didn't like school anyway. Okay. Like so, the thought of going to school to do more math and more, I was like, ah, it wasn't. No, it wasn't fun. I did that already. I don't want to do that for two more years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I was just like, I, I think I can do this on my own. Like, so I just stuck with it, man. Um, I, I I went backwards. I I did. I learned a lot of stuff wrong. Yeah. And then once I got deeper into the music, then I realized, okay, there's some things here that could actually help me on the educational side of music. Let me go back. So that's when I went back and started kind of teaching myself um you know more theory and you know just understanding mm -hmm. my craft more from a educational theoretical level so i did it backwards hey but you but, <laughs> but but you did it though so man so tyler perry tyler perry play is that the only play that you did with him or did you do more with no that's with the him? only play i did with him i did some extra work on a, on a few of his movies because this was around the time when he was just coming into this whole movie thing. Like I was yeah. there when his first movie came out and he was announcing that to all of his people when he, when he went to, when he went to Hollywood and they shot him down and he was like, I'm going to do it myself. So he funded his own, you know, mm -hmm. I was there around all of that stuff. So I didn't do any more plays with him though. 
Uh, I did a few. I did a few. I did his brunch. I did the brunch at his house when he when he um, opened the studio. Okay. Um. So I, yeah, I worked with him for a little while. I, I wish I could have cultivated that relationship a little bit more. You know, you know, I talk about this to some people sometimes. You know, when you're in situations, yeah, that are bigger than you, and you sometimes you see it and sometimes you don't. I didn't yeah. see who I was standing in front of, and I didn't realize the opportunity that I had to cultivate. Right. A relationship with someone mm-hmm. that could help my career go even further, but you know, because mm-hmm. he wasn't, he, he, he wasn't learn. Tyler Perry. He, wasn't, he was he just, was, oh, that's Tyler. He was, you know, help him out with the play. super Tyler, cool yeah. Tyler. Like, and I, I don't know him. I don't, I don't know him like that anymore. I don't know how he is, how much right. he's changed, if he's changed at all. But yeah, back then he wasn't, he wasn't the billionaire guy that he is. Oh now. yeah, definitely. You know what You're I'm right, saying? Right. You know, he's got, you know, he's extremely successful. Like. We all saw it coming. Oh, you're right. But he wasn't that guy yet. I I, I get it. Yeah. You know, because some, mm-hmm. you know, I guess it's hard to gauge or just, but also like you had a lot of stuff going on too, because well, you were producing and you were kind of playing with mm-hmm. a whole bunch of other people as but well. But to be so. honest, for me, with the way I see it, I was just young and naive and I didn't, mm. you know, I didn't grow up around a lot of business people. I didn't grow up around a lot of people that see life that way. Yeah. So it wasn't even in my thoughts to move of how I should have been moving around all okay, of the yeah. greatness that I was around. Like, yeah, I didn't see it like that. I was just a little country boy that was glad to be like playing music for people that's celebrities. Got you. You know what I'm saying? It took a while for me to really see and understand the quality of people I was around and how to move. Mm. You know, it's very important to know how to move in the environment you're in to make the most out of it for yourself. Oh, definitely. You yeah. feel me? And I just, I wasn't there yet. Cool, man. Yeah. Cool. So after Tyler Perry, you're playing with who? You said Avery Sunshine right there after Tyler uh, Perry? T- so after Tyler, I came home. What did I start doing after that? I mean, it was just, it was just. It was just work after work. Work after that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? People people saw and they they saw what I was doing with the play. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I'm around town a lot, so mm-hmm. I'm playing and I'm. Just proving myself, to be honest with you, I'm just out here, show, you know, showing what I have to offer and I dig, yeah, and work it, man. Was it challenging going from, or like, were there any challenges going from this one type of gig to another? Like, were there any barriers, like in, because like, of course, you're you're playing in all of them, mm-hmm. but like the the requirements are kind of different, kind of different for yeah. whichever gig that you're doing at the time. So that's a great question because it makes me think of. A space that I was in where I was working, but I wasn't I was working and I was around a lot of the guys in the city that are respected, mm-hmm. that get a lot of the bigger calls. Mm-hmm. And I was. I was around them and they were watching me, they were paying attention and they were telling me I was doing great, but they weren't calling me for anything. yet. Uh-huh. And I was I got a little angry about it, like I felt the way because I was like, yeah. why are you, you know, I guess it was maybe a sense of entitlement. These are these are lessons that I've learned, mm-hmm. you know, to not feel so entitled because, yeah, you know, talent is not going to always get you there. Right. You know, so, but anyway, I felt a way. So I said, you know, at the time, um, a friend of mine, um, she called me to do uh, Cafe Circa, Eva Kennedy. Which is what? Because I, I Cat, actually don't know. I yeah, actually so don't Cafe know Circa is, was yeah. like, it was like a little, it was like a restaurant on I think it's Edgewood. Okay. Um and they had and they had a night where they had singing and music 
I think on I think we did Fridays and Saturdays. Mm-hmm. She called me. She asked me to do it. I wasn't doing anything. Mm-hmm. And at this point, everybody that I saw doing gigs in town was doing gigs in town like they were doing gigs in town, meaning they're going to bring one keyboard, they're going to play the song, how they feel like playing just it. Just kind of half doing you it, know not really yeah, they just giving gonna, 100%. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm not doing anything else, and nobody's nobody's checking for me like that right now. What can I do different than everybody else that I see? I was like, I'm about to learn these songs like I'm playing them so in this a stadium. Is how we, all right, because this you, you, I was going to ask about this. So, okay, <laughs> all right, so go ahead. I was yeah. like, I'm about to learn these songs like I'm playing for every artist that these songs are are written and, and you know, are written yeah. by. I mean, we're doing, man, we're doing everything you can think of from, from you know, country to R&B to mm-hmm. jet. I mean, we're doing a little bit of everything. So I'm digging deep into these songs and I'm digging deep into my equipment. Yeah. I have a, I got a Motif. Mm-hmm. I got, and I have a Phantom X6. Okay. Bro, I had these boards split every which way. Like, wow. I'm like, how can I get the most out of my, out of these two boards? Mm-hmm. So literally, if, if it's six songs in the song, the, I mean, if it's six sounds happening in the song, yeah, I'm set up and I'm playing everything. Yeah. I'm playing everything. Mm-hmm. And that taught me, that taught me how to play parts. Okay, got you. That's how I learned how to play parts. That gig, it was like every week I was learning a new song. So I was, and I was Oh, let me split this board. How can I do this? I only got two hands. How can I figure out how to play all these parts? Right. I mean, at some, at some, there's some parts I'm playing two parts with one hand because of how I've configured the keyboard. That is, I've seen you, <laughs> bro. That's if y'all scroll down <laughs> Tealy's Instagram, you'll see him playing along to records. But it's almost like you can't hear Tealy because he's matching the record so correctly. Yeah. And that's like. Out of you're probably the only person that I know that does it that strategically. And 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 the reason why is because mm-hmm. every time I would talk to, you know, MDs or other cats around the t- uh, you know town and stuff that were doing the bigger gigs, yeah, their complaint was keyboard players not playing the proper parts. Oh, okay. Guys will play at the parts, and not only would they play at the parts. They were subpar in deciding and choosing in sound selection. Okay. Like um, they wouldn't match. They they, would or not, they wouldn't get close. They're not even really they're they're it's their version of close. Okay. But you know, what I've learned from from doing that, the feel of a song is not just in the proper chords. It's in sound selection. When you listen to a record and it makes you feel a type of way, mm-hmm. it ain't just the chords they're playing. It's the texture of the sounds that they're using. Mm-hmm. And a lot of cats don't pay attention to that. Yeah. But when I play and people hear me play stuff, we I just I just did the boat. We talk about this. I just did the cruise. I just did the Capital Jazz cruise. And some of the guys that were playing was like, man, the authenticity of how mm-hmm. I approach the stuff. Because I'm trying to recreate the feeling that everybody that loves these songs identify with. Okay. So in order to do that, my sounds have to be right and my progressions and the way that I approach the voicings and everything don't have to be exactly. Yeah. But I do have to understand the feel of the music and the the vibe of the music. And I had to understand chord structure to yeah. understand how 
I choose to voice still intertwines with the guy that played the record on the record. Right. So you're trying your best to find that balance between playing the record and Tilly's version exactly. of it, but still staying true to like what the artist wants. Exactly. Have, has that ever been a challenge for you because you played stuff too much like the record? And like maybe the artist that has hired you has been like, nah, man, do, do, do your no. thing. No, because yeah. my approach is I'm going to learn the record. Yeah. But I'm not so constricted on my instrument that the only way I can play it is the way that I learned it. Okay. I'll pl- I'm going to I'm going to give an artist the record first. Mm-hmm. And when they tell me they don't want the record anymore, then they okay. Then I know I can go further than that. So it's a a, a gauge gauging guy. Yeah, absolutely. Sort of yeah, cuz the first time I did a gig kind of like that, I was I was kind of well I'd gotten kind of thrown into it. Mm-hmm. But I was like I'm I'm just trying to play it straight. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm just trying to play it straight. But then it was like I think they might have like wanted like a bit more. Yeah. But then like when I circled back around and played with them, I was like, I'm playing, I'm going to play like myself. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to learn the song, but like I'm, and yeah. then it's like, Oh, now you, yeah. you, you because, sound good. You and know, because, so. because here's the thing, like for me, it's a lesson. And every time I have to learn someone's music, because yeah. when I, when I understand what they played, yeah, it teaches me a different approach yeah, to music, a different mm-hmm. way to look at things. I know how I hear it. Yeah. I know how I can play it. Yeah. I understand my instrument. I understand what I hear in my own ears. Mm-hmm. But now I also understand what you were thinking or what they were thinking mm-hmm. when they played it. So now I know sonically even I can hear the types of chords that work within their approach. Mm. So I'm yeah. not going to stay. I'm not going to go too far from that unless I know that's okay. Yeah. Because the, the music comes first. Mm-hmm. So for me. I want to make sure, like I said, I want to make sure that people feel what they felt when they, if it's a record you love, if I'm playing too far away from that, yeah, that's that's not it for Then it's me. just not, It's know. not the record anymore. Yeah. Now, if I'm given the reins to step out of the record, yeah, I'm, I'm comfortable enough to step out of the record, yeah. but I don't have to step out of the record. Mm-hmm. And that also gives me discipline as well. Mm. I don't have to feel like I'm not doing enough if yeah. I'm just playing the record. Yeah. And it also taught me to appreciate space in music. Mm-hmm. I don't have to fill up everything. I was playing, so I, I, I said, I just like I said, I just did this Capital Jazz Cruise with who? I, so yeah. I had to play with, I had to play with the Jones Girls. It's an old school group. I had to play with Kirk Whalem. I had to play Oof. with an independent artist by the name of Tahira Memory, who's an awesome um, artist. Um, I also had to play with uh, Regina Bell, and I had to play with Mike Phillips. That's a that's a lineup right there. Yeah, that's a lineup. It was, it was crazy, and this is all different music that I had to, I had to really embody. You know, that's that's one thing I really am adamant about. Yeah. I, I embody who I'm playing for, and once again, all of these different approaches give me the ability to mm-hmm. tap into different ways of thinking when I'm playing, different disciplines. So, but I had to play with to hear a memory. And mm-hmm. and her vibe is uh, a bit organic and soulish, neo soulish yeah. type. Um, so Lettucey yeah. was at that show. She she came and she heard the show. Okay. So we're sitting in the um, in the eating area, and she walks up. Lettucey walks up. Okay. She walks up. She starts talking to us. She knows a couple of the guys is at the table. So she's talking to to everybody, and she's like, "Well, who who are you? What do you do?" I'm telling her my name. You know, I, I play keys. Um, she's like, I don't, I don't like keys. I don't, I don't really like keyboards. I don't like keys because a lot of keyboard players 
always try to fill up all of the space. They play too much. So I have to have keys turned down in my monitor. I don't want any keys in my wow. monitor. Wow. And then she, so I'm, you know, she, I'm a keyboard player. And then she was like, so who, who did you play for? Who are you playing for on the boat? Yeah. I played with Tahira. She was like, that was you? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, you did wonderful. You were great. I was like, but you, <laughs> but you, you just, just said you don't yeah. like keyboard players. She's like, no, but you, yeah, you were, you were perfect. Wow. And it was, it was such an, you know, it was, it was so great to hear that from her, especially coming right after her saying she has, doesn't like to hear keys in her monitor because That's keyboard players play too much. Wow. Huh. You know? Yeah, so, it's almost like you really got to like gauge out the gig, like, you know, because some, some gigs, they want, they want Zach to be Zach. Some mm-hmm. gigs, hey, bro, just, just play the song, keep it moving. Mm-hmm. I do, I, uh, quick question, did you have to learn Nights Over Egypt? The I did. You learned that? How long did, I, I like that, I actually like that song. I've played yeah, yeah, yeah. that before. I've yeah. played that line with um, Jeff Bradshaw. Yeah. Uh, a tremendous trombone player. I've played with him before. So, but stuff like that, it comes with me playing these parts and learning how yeah, to play yeah. these parts the way I have. So it didn't. It wasn't a complicated thing for me. It just it, it makes sense when yeah. I when I see it, when I hear it, it makes sense. So it's not it's not really hard, and that's a weird thing too because stuff that seems I don't know complex or the way that the way that I identify with music now it's mm-hmm. not always a hard thing like hard for me is like classical music and uh-huh. things like that but when it comes to replicating these albums the hardest thing is playing multiple parts okay if i had to play one part at a time that's not really going to be complicated for mm-hmm. me it's it's approaching everything at the same time and playing it by myself mm-hmm. and in so many cases i haven't had the luxury of having two other keyboard, keyboard players, players one yeah. other keyboard player even a lot of times playing with me so i end up tackling two and three keyboard player parts by myself mm-hmm. that is the challenge for me and that is what for me when it comes to playing you know r&b and music that's less complex from a player standpoint right the complexity is that's where i get my fun from mm-hmm. playing multiple parts instead of the licks and yeah, the jazz gotcha. stuff it's like okay, how many how many parts can I play correctly? Yeah, at one time. Mm-hmm. You know how how well can I do this and still be myself? I dig it. So because yeah. I think it's important to find the fun in the simplicity of some things that we have to play as keyboard players. Because gotcha. some of us get bored, and when we get bored, what do we, we try do? to add, we try to add stuff and like we try to we overplay. Dress it up. Yeah, yeah, we, we overplay, overplay. Mm-hmm. every time, and that's what the artists don't like. And that's what gets you not on the not game. not called the next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But now I had to. Learn, I I learned Nights of Egypt a couple of months ago. I had yeah. to play that. So I was yeah. like, "Ooh, Jones Girl." So yeah. I was like, at first I was thinking, "Oh yeah, you have to play Who Can I Run To?" Now, to okay, so now, yeah, okay, ahead. so now, Nights mm-hmm. Over Egypt. Let's talk about it. All right, go ahead. So, because there's a synth sound that's in the middle of the verses and everything. Yeah. Being played that nobody, nobody. ever plays. Mm-hmm. But it fill, but it fills up a certain kind of space in the mm-hmm. song. People may not miss it, yeah. But if it's there, it's well, like, oh, you did the thing. He did the thing. Yeah. This is the kind of, and it was like once again, I told you when I when I was on my mission, I said, how can I set myself apart? Yeah. Play the stuff that nobody plays. Play the stuff that's there, that's relevant. Yeah. But nobody tackles it. 
they look over it because oh it's way back in the background yeah but it's there and it's there for a reason mm -hmm. there's a texture yeah like i don't i try not to miss mm -hmm. important textures in songs if i don't play it it's because i don't have enough hands okay that's the only reason why i'm not gonna yeah. play it right yeah and it and once again it just makes you stand out and it doesn't mean that you have to do it every single gig but it's like having a drummer that can play like crazy and you have him playing a regular two four, but you know that if you ask him to step out, he's he can gonna do, it. do it. Yeah. You know? So it's just about setting yourself up. I get I like that. I like that. Yeah. So transitioning from playing with everyone else to playing in your own group, the four corners. Mm -hmm. So tell me how that kind of came about for the people that have been living under a rock and don't know who the four <laughs> corners are. Tell the people like, you know, tell tell you know, introduce the group, yeah. How that came to be, like your style and, you know, your For sure. approach to that. So the Four Corners is our version of Jazz Fusion. Yeah. Um, jazz Fusion is a very technical type of music, but we don't have the educational prowess mm -hmm. that most people have that play that, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that's one of the things that has given us the sound that we have, even though it's influential of a lot of the greats. Um, because we do, don't have that education, it comes from a very organic, internal place mm -hmm. in terms of how we create it and what has influenced us. But um, it started with me. I, like I said, I grew up in a very religious household, so a lot of music I didn't get to listen to. Okay. Um, I didn't get into secular music really period from jazz to R&B to anything until I was probably 16, 17 years old. Okay. Um, so when I got older and I could listen to jazz music, mm -hmm. it was 91.9. Like every time I got in my car, because okay. at that time they were playing, it was, everything was abstract. It was just, it was the old school grace, Yeah, you know, and I didn't know about any of these guys. Like it, mm -hmm. jazz was totally foreign to me. All I knew was church. So it started out me listening to jazz. Um, somebody turned me on to Chick Corea Electric Band, mm -hmm. and the rest was history. I was and there. Like, we go. I I, in some kind of way, I identified with it because it was so creative and it was so out of the box for me. And it was like it there was no boundaries. And I was like, yeah, I just want to just be able to do what I want to do, how I want to do it. Mm -hmm. And these guys are doing this like they're way out here. But it still made musical sense. So I would listen and I would listen and I would listen and I would listen. And um a friend of a cousin of mine actually introduced me to James and Ike because they're from Cartersville. Okay. From Ackworth, which is 10, 15 minute distance yeah, between each far. other. Yeah. Um she introduced us and we didn't really kick it off at first, to be honest. Oh wow! Isaac did not like me. We talk about this. And laugh. <laughs> okay. We talk about this and laugh about it all the time. Oh, wow. He didn't like me. Oh wow! <laughs> he, thought <laughs> I was, he thought I was a jerk. <laughs> um, but were you? I I was man. I ain't <laughs> lie. Was that was that this in was a period this, you were kind of? This was a different time in my life. Like, there's yeah. a whole other part of my life. Like, I, I you know I ran the streets. You know I ran with gangs and I. Hung out with drug dealers. And oh, wow. Like, I was in the streets, you know oh, what I'm wow. saying, at a point. And I was still doing music. I was really living two lives, man. I was wow. playing church on Sunday morning, and then out throughout the week, I was with dope knows, dealers and, and, yeah. and thugs, like, yeah. straight up, you know wow. what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, that was that's a whole nother conversation. That, yeah. that kind of sprung out of, that kind of sprung out of me just being in a, 
that sheltered lifestyle and coming yeah. out and just saying, you know, I'm just going to go out here and just do it, you mm-hmm. know? So I was just living how I wanted to live, but yeah, I, 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 I was a jerk. Okay. Yeah. I, I could be a jerk. I was a nice guy too, but uh-huh. I could be a jerk. So he didn't like me at first. Me and James didn't really take too much to each other at all that much either. Some, some time went by maybe like a year or so. And I think James came to the church that I played at. And after the service was over, he said, man, hey, man, we should start hanging. Mm-hmm. We should just hang out. Yeah. And, you know, me being the type of guy that I was at the time, I told, I said, that's cool. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, who is this lame <laughs> dude trying to, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm riding around in a, I'm riding around in a, a 76 Cutlass Supreme with McLean's and... <laughs> <laughs> Black tinted windows, like I'm I'm a street dude. Like yeah. I don't hang I'm not hanging with who I would consider to be a square, which yeah. I consider James to be a square at the time. And we we talk about this That's and laugh funny. about it. It's like I don't want to hang with this dude. But I was like, let's do something different. I had just kind of come into a different space in my life where I was changing. Yeah. My surroundings, you mm-hmm. know, um, real quick I had gotten I had gotten into some 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 heat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it only took me one time to get shot at and I was like you're like, nah. Yeah, this ain't, I'm not really about this life. Like, I'm trying to live. Yeah. So, he came at a time where it was time for me to shift. Mm-hmm. We started hanging. And uh, long story short, you know, we did a few things together. Started hanging out more. And then we ended up at a church out in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Dallas, Georgia. Dallas, Georgia. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Victory Family Life, where uh, youth pastor, Anthony Murray, he had a youth service. And I was playing out there. I brought them on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I brought them. They got out there. We started playing there together. And then our first drummer, LeBron Rimmer, mm-hmm. he came out there. And I don't, we just was like, hey, we all knew we liked this music. I turned them on. I turned Ike and James on to the Chick Corea stuff, the yeah. Fusion. They got into it. They liked it. LeBron already was kind of hip to it. And we was like, yo, we don't get to play this. Nobody's doing this. And we don't get to play this kind of music. Let's just link. We started linking up at LeBron's house mm-hmm. twice a week for like eight hours a day. We would mm. just play. Yeah. And we started writing. We started writing. Um, and this kind of started, it kind of started a little earlier than that. Let me go back just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Pete is another drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a really good friend of mine. He's a producer now. Um he kind of came along. He moved here from Florida. Yeah. But that, but we weren't really established as a band then. We yeah. were still just kind of hanging out. Okay. Um, the band didn't really kind of start getting, get turning into what it was going to be until we started getting with LeBron at his house and doing those rehearsals. So we came up like, What a Ride. What a Ride was the very first song. No. Premier Concion. Okay. Last song on the first album. Um, that was the first idea that I came up with mm-hmm. and it didn't get finished for years. Okay. And, um, and then we came back around what a ride. I think I conceived that and me and Ike kind of put it together mm-hmm. and the rest is history. We just kept writing songs together. Yeah. We just kept writing songs together and we would just get together and play this stuff over and over and over again. Right. Cause y'all songs are super like in, t- in like, I'll say intense, but like you can't, you can't. This is not A section, B section, no. and go to the top. This is like if you haven't studied this song, you yeah, you, you don't know it. And we don't write 
and we mm-hmm. never write it with a format in mind. That's mm-hmm. the thing. It's okay. Like, yeah. The way the stuff gets written and the why that it, and why it is it comes out the way it does yeah. is because we really write it off of how how we feel when what what works and what feels good to us when we're in the yeah. writing when we're in those writing sessions. So it doesn't always mean a bridge and a verse. Mm-hmm. It's not always coming back to back like a typical format. Right. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. And that's because, for me, the influence of electric band and just Chick Corea in general, that stuff moves. It's like classical move. You like you think classical. Classical is always the movements are always changing. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of how I view that form of writing. It's like it's a movement. It doesn't have to come back to this mm-hmm. or gotcha, you know yeah. a friend of mine he's like man y'all will do y'all do one thing in a song you never do it again it's like yeah because that was that moment it's it's there it's gone you mm-hmm. know it's good or it's bad you like it or you don't like it but either way it's not something that has to always repeat itself it's not typical so but yeah man we we it just it just evolved into what it what it is now and how we got the first album recorded, I was recording for Lil John's album. Lil John Roberts. Lil John Roberts. Okay. We yeah. were we Lil were John reco- Roberts, drummer from yes. Atlanta. We've we, mentioned him. Before, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's actually from Philly though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. he lives in Atlanta. But yeah, we just for, sure. for the first time listener, yeah. not turned down for what Lil John. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. just gotta let him know. Yeah, Lil John, incredible bass I mean incredible uh, drummer. Drummer, yeah. Um, um I guess most known for um, his Janet Jackson run. Yeah, yeah. But um, so we were working on his album, and that was crazy. Mm-hmm. I'm in the room with Pino, Pino Palladino. Oh man! Oh, oh wow, that's crazy. Oh, God, it, the, the sessions was crazy. Yeah, the session was. Crazy. I'm in the room with him and Chris Dave and Oof. and Lil John. They're doing their thing together, and it was it was bananas, bro. But um, so we're working on his album, and. Raheem Amlani is the engineer. Yes. And I'm talking to Raheem and I'm feeling what he's doing. He's he's a great engineer. So I'm like, yo, what's your rates? You know, da 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 da. He's like, oh yeah, I got a studio and, and I'm charging this amount. I think it was like $50 an hour. I was like, if I can't get the guys at this point, I had been trying to do a recording with the guys for the longest, but yeah. we could never get together on the business side of things. Mm money and which you know, is very whole, important yeah extremely important mm-hmm. so this was a crossroads because i said to myself if i cannot get them to put the money together to do this for this amount of money this is cheap right if i can't get them to do this then we're done we're done all right and i presented it to them and everybody was down and that's how the first album if it had not been for that the four corners would not be because wow. i was so i was at my wits end i was like Mm-hmm. I'm, I can do other things. I can do things on my own faster than I can do them with the group. Definitely, yeah. You know, so that's how the first album got recorded. Man, and then it just took off from it there. It just took off from there. And then Portal of Gold and yep. Phrase Out, you know, mm-hmm. all the all the hits. Yep. Yeah, bro. Phraseology was a song that was supposed to be, that was a song I wrote for myself. Okay. I did that song for myself because I wanted to do an album, but I was kind of procrastinating on doing it. And then... I think we talked about recording a song and I said, yo, let's let's do something that's different from what we do to showcase our versatility. Right. And I was like, I'm not doing nothing with this song and it's a great song. Let's record right, right, this. Right. Yeah. And that's how that that's how that happened. Yeah. Man. And then like, you know, since then y'all have been on tour with Sean Martin. 
who's mm-hmm. been mentioned on here. Yep. Y'all did a whole thing like in Indonesia, I think. Where was that? Yes. Y'all we did went. a whole like kind of residency or something over there. So we went to we went to Indonesia to play with an artist out there. Uh-huh. Um he done some he had done some work with J Rock. Okay. J Rock done some production stuff for him. Mm-hmm. But he knew about the band and he loved the band and he had this event that he was gonna be on and he wanted us to come out there. So he flew us out there to really play for him, but in the mix of that, we were able to also do some things, you know, individually or aside from him with the band as well. So gotcha. that was a cool run. Yeah, it was cool. Can you say anything about any Four Corners music coming up this year at all? Is that something that you can say yet? Uh, or is it, you know? I, I, I don't I don't think, yeah, Rod doesn't mind because I, I see he's mentioned it on his, on his social media. We're working on his album right now. Okay. So we're working on an album with J-Rod. Mm-hmm. And um, but it's not a Four Corners album. It's not it's a, a Four Corners. It's a J. Rod Sullivan album. It's a J. Rod Sullivan album with the Four, the corners, corners, of four playing. corners playing. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you know we, we we definitely are writing the songs in a way that we we hope that definitely make sure that it's not oh this is still the Four Corners like that's not what we want. We want yeah. J. Rod to have his own individual individual thing, man. So we're not sure exactly when it's gonna be mm-hmm. finished yet but yeah we're definitely working on that for him and we're working on some things for the band as well um i spoke to james the other day and i'm actually going to be working on my own album as well oh let's go yeah you um, know i you know I've asked, <laughs> you know i've asked you about this i'm like bro come on man let's, let's yeah let's, yeah i've been I've, I've been playing games for a long time man so yeah and it's not gonna be i don't i don't I don't foresee it being a fusion album. Um, yeah. I love music in general, man. And mm-hmm. I've always been like one of my one of my aspirations has always been to be versatile. Yeah. Um, which is why I like to, you know, jump into all of these different situations because it keeps my mind open to understanding all of the different approaches that, you know, that music affords us. So uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what direction in I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards some it's going to I think it's going to be a blend of of smooth jazz mm-hmm. jazz itself and i don't i'm not, I'm not gonna go the fusion route yeah i just want to create good well thought meaningful heartfelt music man yeah for, that comes from me yeah my approach and what i feel and what touches me yeah. you know herbie is a huge 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 influence over my plan and that's um uh, kind of a an approach that i haven't outwardly shown yeah in 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 in, in my plan yet and in my, you know, releases. So, yeah, yeah. I'm excited. I like about that. I like it. You know, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Got you. What's yeah. the worst gig that you've ever had, or the worst thing that happened on a gig? <laughs> oh man, me and me and the guys talk about this. Me, James, and Ike. Okay. This was the gig that taught us the value of truly being prepared and learning a show okay. and learning music. Okay. We get called on a Monday or a Tuesday, I think it was. I get called. Hey, man, you want to do this 112 gig? Sure. Like, when is it? It's this weekend. When is rehearsal? Rehearsal going to be tomorrow. Bro, like, there's not enough time. Like, I don't have enough time to learn the stuff. And how long well, is the show? The show is like, I want to say that was like a that had to be like a ninety minute show, bro. Oh wow! So this is long. Yeah. So it's in, it was in Rhode Island. 
Ugh. <laughs> it's like, yo, don't it was packed. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, um, so he's like, Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's gonna be cool because everything's in the stems. Okay. You know, just learn the music. So okay, I'm I'm relaxing at this point. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna learn the music. I'll be good. I learned the music enough to play the music mm-hmm. with the stems, which means if, if something I, if, happens, you can back out. The track is there. But not only that, I knew it when I heard it. You see what I'm saying? So oh. when I heard the stems, I was like, okay, I got it. I got it. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know it enough to hear to not hear the stems. To just like go off the And top. just be like, okay, this is the song we're in. Mm-mm. We get Mm-mm. to the show. Oh, no. Rehearsal now. Rehearsal was great. Rehearsal's good. You're rehearsing all with the, the guys, stems, all that stuff. All of the guys were satisfied. 112 was like, y'all like, y'all are killing. It sounds wonderful. Everybody's hype. Everybody's ready. Mm-hmm. We get to the show. Number one, we're late. They're waiting on us. So we get there, and they're waiting on us. We got to rush to the stage. We get to the stage. First song in, first two songs in, everything's good. We're killing. Song three. And from song three, throughout the rest of the show, Uh-oh. the only stems that were playing was drums. We still don't know how that happened. It's a de- it's debatable as to whether or not we were sabotaged. Sabot- you feel me? So someone, so the other stems, which means all the other keys, the extra sounds, gone. Did y'all have cues? And y'all had cues in the stems or no? We were being cued by the drummer because okay, got gotcha. you. And he was the MD. Got you. But everything else, there's nothing else out of the here. track. Out of here. Nothing. Nothing. That you could hear wasn't coming in the house at all. Nothing. Nothing. Wow. Nothing. Q. Wow. Q turns around. I can I remember Q dan- doing all the dance moves. Yo, yo, what's what's what going on, man? Yeah. What's what's happening? We're lost. For an entire show almost. Give or take three songs. Dog. Needless to say, we Dog. got fired. That night? I mean, to them that night. I mean, like, I mean, like, did they yeah. like call y'all on the dress? Like, that's it. Well, or, like, y'all they, just no, no. They were like, man, it's okay, man. We'll we'll, we'll do better next time. And then there was no, but time. but there was no next time. <laughs> yeah, we'll do better because y'all aren't because y'all aren't on it. There was no next time. Ah, oh, that's crazy. you know what I'm saying. It was oh, it was crazy. a harsh lesson learned. But from that point on, bro, and it, you know what, this is the kind of stuff that sometimes if you're not the guy that's diligent on your own. That's the kind of experience that you have to have to say, get it together. And that was our experience. Never again did I go to a show unprepared. Mm -hmm. I don't care if there's stems. Never. Now, now, now to rebuttal that, Mm -hmm. playing with Monica. We're in Detroit. Okay. And we had stems and the guy who peanut he's a he's a crazy drummer and a and an incredible uh uh pro- programmer yeah um he's programmed the mess out of this show the show's crazy mm-hmm. i learned everything that he put in them stems okay we get to the show mm-hmm. once again first song everything starts great mm-hmm. two songs in Stems crashed. That's what I'm afraid of. That's what I'm afraid of working with stems. Stems crashed, bro. Wow. Monica didn't even know that the stems crashed. The whole show went on. Not a sound missed, not a moment missed, not a lick, not not a transition. Everything was there. Me, James, Ike, and Peanut. We smashed the the show. You saved the day. We saved the day. Because why? Because 
the 112 gig taught me to learn everything. That is crazy. <laughs> now, That's, meanwhile, yeah. her, her, her singers were so used to the stems mm. that when the stems fell out, they, crashed they were lost. They crashed and burned. They're looking at me. Yeah. Like what's going on? Like we're like we're like the stems are gone. Y'all don't know y'all parts. Oh well. Like we we gonna <laughs> keep it moving. Did they did they make it to the next gig? I'm pretty sure they probably did at least for a little while. Okay. Because, quite honestly, I don't think she noticed that they weren't singing. Mm, Okay. Because the music and everything was so on point. Got you. But if I had not had that experience with 112, I might have crashed and burned with with Monica, Monica. too. Ma'am. Mm. You know? That's crazy. So I learned. I learned my lesson. Yeah. Top three keyboard players. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy, bro. That's why I'm like scared to do gigs with like stems. And like when I when I'm in charge of a gig, I uh-huh. why well, I've yet to be in charge of a gig of that sort of mm-hmm. but I I'm I'm good. I don't I don't Well I, But also look, when you when you play with Sims like it's fine, but I'm like I'm much rather I'd much rather just play regular. Now having a click is cool. Sometimes but like everything else is. But sometimes you, know. you need those stems because yeah. of all of the stuff that's going on. True, now. True. Like like um so I did I did uh what was it? Uh new uh new edition. I had a week to learn like twenty seven songs. You filled in for Jamin or something? Jamin yeah. wasn't playing at the time. Oh, this okay. Was so well, this was, this a while was ago. well before Jamin even was even thought to be in the picture. This yeah, was okay, years gotcha. ago. This was years ago. Um, I want to say, who was playing back then? Wizard? Okay. I think Wizard might have been playing back then. But once again, and this was a time when I was still one of the what ifs. Like, can he handle it? Yeah. You know, we're going to give him a chance because he does so well in the city, but we don't know yet if he can, you know, and they wanted to rehearse. I was like, I'm going to show them. They don't, we don't even need the rehearsal was a run through. For you, yeah. For me. Like, boom, I know it. I was, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I don't want y'all thinking, I don't, if y'all didn't trust me, I want to make sure y'all trust me after this is over with. Mm-hmm. Ran through the show. You know what I'm saying? Knew the music. And they had stems, but it's nothing wrong with playing with stems. Just treat, when you're learning, treat it like you don't have them. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. At that way, it doesn't make a difference whether they're there or not. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you're, if anything, you're making, you're increasing the, the thickness and the bigness of the sound. Mm-hmm. If you choose to play what's in the stems, you can. Yeah. And if you don't have to, you don't. But if something goes wrong with the stems, you can pick up where the stems leave off. Right. So just learn the stuff like there's nothing there to support you. Right. And you won't ever have any issues. Yeah. Yeah. Now, then, then it doesn't matter if the stems crash. There we go. Yeah. Um, top three keyboard players. Top three national keyboard players and then top three keyboard players that you know. <laughs> national. Top three. I mean, God, God bless his soul, man. Chick Corea was my number one guy. Okay, yeah. Um, because he was, you know, unapologetic about how he felt and how he chose to approach music. Like, I just mm-hmm. look him and then, of course, Herbie. Yeah. And I really put them two at the same because their philosophies were the same. Like, I learned so much from them listening to them talk more than I learned to transcribe than transcribing them. Yeah. Because they're philosophy and their thoughts on their approach to music is what taught me how to think and approach mm-hmm. it's what gave me the the courage to be myself mm-hmm. um so most definitely chick herbie russell ferrante 
Oh, I've I've never heard this name ever. You've never heard, you know the Yellow Jackets. Oh, got you, got you, Yellow yeah. Jackets. Got yeah, you. I'm I I've <laughs> been told about the Yellow Jackets and like I've heard a little bit of them, but I'm not hip to them. Hip. To oh them. no, man, you got. He, so he's Russell, he's the keyboard player from Yellow Jackets. He's the keyboard player from the, from the Yellow Jackets, and okay. all three of them have their own different approaches. Yeah, Russell in particular. Um, one of his big rules is not repeating notes. So the way that he voices things, okay, is very unique, and it makes you just it made it made me think different about texture. Okay, um, his solos are good, but more than that, it's his it's his his chord voices. Chord voices. It's it's incredible. It's just I just it just really it has so much depth to it, and um, and intention. Gotcha. So, Love that about him, man. So those those would be my top three. Top three national. Nationally, man. I mean, there's tons more that I love. Of course, yeah. yeah. Those would be my top three nationally. And then you said, what else? Top three you know. That I know. Phil Davis was my first major influence in the city. Okay, yeah. Um, Because he was the closest person in proximity to me that – stepped outside of the box to me with his plan like he was you know of course he's doing the um the breath controller yeah and just his overall approach was um very different from anything that i had heard at the time when i was when i was coming up and when i was just first coming around in the city so most definitely phil has been a major influence um kevin bales man chop say kevin bales kevin bales is i took lessons from kevin for about a year Uh uh-huh um and oddly, what I was saying about Russell, the biggest thing I got from him was that mm-hmm. not repeating notes and and me learning um, and understanding chord voicings and chord structure better. Yeah, not repeating notes really helped me to eliminate the clutter. Yeah, you know what I'm okay, saying. Yeah, that's the biggest thing I learned about him. But his playing, though, just sitting down watching him play when he would show me things, um, and a, and a few shows that I seen him at. He's definitely one that I really admire as well um, in the city. And, um, man, who else? I mean, of course, you got your Corey Henrys and, you know, these guys. I mean, that's national. That's national. Yeah. The last one, favorite, last one that you know. If you have to do two more to be safe, you know, you can. Justin Gilbert. I was I was like I was like I thought for sure that he was the one that yes, was because yeah, now Justin, Justin yeah. and Justin knew about Russell before I knew about Russell. Yeah. And Justin brought that approach to church when we played at Gospel Tabernacle. Okay. And I never could understand where he was coming from with this with this the way he played because number one, I didn't understand any theory. Like yeah. everything was all ears to me and ears and shapes. Okay. At that time. At that time. So now I get it, um, but yeah, I learned, I learned, I learned, I learned a whole lot from Jay, man. I learned a lot from Jay. Discipline and being able to play mm-hmm. organ behind someone and let, being able to sit in a pocket mm-hmm. while someone else is the guy that shines. Yeah, you know those types of things from just being in the room and playing, playing together. So, mm-hmm. yeah, Jay, man, most definitely. Gotcha. Yep. Cool. All right, you have unlimited budget, unlimited availability. You can build your own supergroup. <laughs> Keys guitar bass drums you can do a horn section if you want to but at least the core four plus a lead uh vocalist Mm -hmm. 
this is either a show or a party, but you have unli- every everybody's available. Everybody has you have the budget for everybody. Man, that's that's that. There would be different reasons for that, but you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my guys off top because I know the versatility that comes with us. See, now a lot of people um, kind of put us in a box and think that fusion is the only thing that we really really nah. play, but. No, we 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 can pretty much sit anywhere mm-hmm. and be authentic because we we love and we understand what the music needs. Mm-hmm. So I most I, I mean I'll put my guys up against any anything. Man. I don't think mm-hmm. there's anything that we can't tackle. You know, Fair. and there's nothing that we haven't been able to tackle. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean there's a, tons of great people out here that I would love to play with as well, but. I, I, I got so I, I to put my guys on deck. Gotcha. Four <laughs> corners. So you, J-Rod Sullivan on drums. Yep. Ike Thompson on guitar. Mm-hmm. James uh, Thompson JT on bass. JT on, on bass. Yes, gotcha. sir. Are you going to do horns or no? Good Times Brass Band, bro. Good that's Times what I, Brass that's Band. That's the go-to, yeah. Mike Burton, Melvin Jones, Wilbur Williams. Out actually, I just thought about this, hearing a Four Corners show, like Four Corners music, but with the brass section, I feel like would go. It would be. It would like be. on... What's my favorite song? Um, Orbiting Hands. Orbiting Hands. Like at the end, like uh-huh. at the end of Orbiting Hands. Uh-huh. That would go. That would, that would bro. Go that crazy. would be. That would, that would be crazy, crazy bro. <laughs> if you did like one show, like four corners with like horns that's, and strings or something like that. That's a good idea, man. That's hey, a good idea. You, you got it. That's a great idea. I always have wanted to kind of expand those types of sonics with the band too, and just to see. You know, and I think eventually we may do something like that. Yellow Jackets did something like that. They 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 used a big band with their with some of their songs that they had previously done as uh, as a four four piece. corners with a horn section horn section by itself. Yeah, but four four corners with horn. I've I've been into like looking at people like with orchestras and mm-hmm. like string arrangements. Mm-hmm. Four corners with strings would go. That would be crazy. crazy. That would be crazy. That would be crazy. You're gonna make me create a song that way. Hey, bro. That would be because you I could love- man do like half. New stuff and then do like half of like mm-hmm. the hits, mm-hmm. That's like Gordon Hands, Portal of Gold. Yeah. You know you do. Um. Oh no, what's the one? Um, Miracle Hand, Miracle Hand. Uh, I, I'm thinking Mir- it's, it's the one that I. It features Ike. It features Ike. Uh, Miracle Child. Miracle Child. Yeah, that yeah. that's it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he wrote that for himself. Yeah, but that that one with strings behind. Oh, oh yeah. Oh gosh. yeah. All right. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. bro. Last thing. What do you yeah. want to leave with the people? Words of motivation. I feel like I know where you want to go with it, but I'm not going to guess. Um, I, I, now you got me. <laughs> <laughs> words, of, words of motivation. Words of wisdom. Last last thing that you want to. Man, you know, this this would come from away from just the music, man. Just mm-hmm. be your best self, man, and be unapologetic about it. Yeah. You know, I spent a lot of time. I spent a lot of time thinking that I needed to be somebody for others uh-huh. in my music and just in my life in general. Um, but from a musical standpoint, be yourself, man. Don't be afraid to be you. Learn how to absorb influences from other people mm-hmm. and learn from the things that you enjoy listening to and learning from, but find yourself in your creativity and be that. And let it and let it cultivate 
you know, what it's going to cultivate in your career. Yeah. You know, of course, the business is a whole nother side. Yeah. Learn business. Right. Don't neglect business Mm -hmm. in whatever career you choose. Mm -hmm. Because if you're just talented and you don't understand how the business works and how it moves, you're going to only make it so far. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm taking from somebody who knows. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. I've made the mistakes and I, I and I'm not proud of the mistakes but I own the mistakes because yeah. me owning the mistakes gives me the opportunity to speak to somebody else mm-hmm. to see somebody who messed up yeah and not make the same mistake yeah yeah man got you yep. all right socials uh chill three um is my IG uh Clarence T Lee Hill is gonna be my Facebook mm-hmm. chill three I think that's my uh whatsapp as well my tiktok is tiktok is chill the third all right yeah whatever the main one is you know yeah. how, how ig man that's yeah. the main <laughs> the one IG, I, yeah half of the other ones i don't even use got you all right ig yeah but yeah man appreciate you coming on here i've said this before one of my favorite one of my favorite keyboard players man i, oh, I, man, appreciate, I you. appreciate you bro appreciate you for real man real talk yeah. now the four corners too yeah the four corners oh yeah follow them the four corners on ig we also we're also on um we have a website and we're also on YouTube. T H E the number four mm-hmm. corners with the K. Yeah, exactly. go follow us, check us out. Yeah, man. And y'all listen to the Four Corners latest single, Arcade Nights, yes, out sir. on all platforms and phraseology. Oh, look at all of the Four Corners music, mm-hmm. you know. But um, yeah, man, that's it. This has been another episode of the Major Keys Podcast. Keep pressing on. We'll see y'all next time. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, Doc. <laughs>